0: Hi, Clark.
1: Hello, Alyssa, and welcome to Wordstruck, where we take a fresh look at great books. This season, we're reading Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and this episode, we're reading chapters 11 and 12. Uh, Tell us a little bit about chapter 11, Alyssa.
0: Chapter 11 is called Quidditch, and in Quidditch, we get to see Harry's first Quidditch match, in which his broom is jinxed. And uh, Hermione and Ron sort of figure out that Snape's got something to do with it when they see him muttering under his breath. And so Hermione sets Snape on fire, and then Harry is able to catch the golden snitch, and he does it mid-fall to win the game. And then later, the trio learns a whole lot at Hagrid's hut over tea. So that's, yeah. that's that's about the chapter. It's There's not really a whole lot that goes on. Uh, there's a whole lot about Quidditch. <laughs> and
1: yeah, a whole so, lot about Quidditch and a whole bunch of setup for the next chapter. Yeah. Uh, which we get to pretty quick. I mean, the chapter is only... Oh, man, it's not that many pages. It, yeah, it's uh, a
0: really fast read.
1: But it starts off with... Um, we kind of learn a little bit about uh, the new... Uh, kind of dynamic of the relationship where the narrator tells us that Hermione is totally in with the crew now and she is not nearly as annoying she's a little bit more of a rule breaker Um, instead of kind of like talking their ears off she will instead like lend them a book and let them read about it instead of telling them so we kind of see this change in dynamic a little bit Um, but maybe that's just a perspective thing what do you think
0: Yeah, I I really wonder how much of that is, like, I think our narrator is pretty clearly biased, um, as we've seen in in a lot of the earlier chapters. He's just got a little bit of an attitude because he's so close to Harry's observation and everything. And so I think uh, the perspective of Hermione as annoying has changed largely because Harry's starting to understand the... The value and 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 to really appreciate Hermione and so like like just a chapter or two before he called Quidditch through the ages like a a, a stupid book or something like I don't, I don't yeah remember the exact language but like completely cast it aside and now he's like oh my gosh and then it tells me everything about Quidditch through the ages just like the title <laughs> it's like okay the only thing that changed here is you now respect the person who told you about it. Um, Which I think, which I think is fair. I mean, we, we do that. It's a very human trait of letting our interactions with people color. their our our idea of their reliability and their value. So, uh, but yeah, I definitely think that it's, it's the narrator is a little biased and that she's not really changed her attitudes necessarily. And when it talks about like, Oh, she's like way more chill about breaking rules. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but they're not like breaking out of of the common room and and going for a midnight duel that's supposed yeah, to be to the yeah. death. <laughs> like they're bringing little blue flame into the courtyard with books. Like it's the stakes are much lower. So she it, it makes sense for her to be okay with with bending those rules. Very true.
1: Speaking of biases, um, Snape catches Harry Potter with a book in the courtyard, which is a perfectly normal place to have a book, and he still docks Harry Potter five points, or he docks Gryffindor five points, because Harry had a book outside of the building. It, which leads me to believe that this whole system, it's just made up. The points, it's its like, whose line is it anyway? Like It's all made up, and the points don't matter, but <laughs> the teachers still seem to really care about it, even though it's purely ar- arbitrary, but apparently enough people care uh, just not enough to actually create a solid rule book
0: so so here's my theory is um, maybe it's not just that Harry had a book but Harry had a book about Quidditch and like some of that cross house rivalry that we saw a little bit between Snape and McGonagall of like oh you know, man I couldn't I couldn't handle it like oh the like surprise seeker is reading up more on Quidditch no like we're gonna cripple that and like do something to help my house like stay ahead as best I we thought can. about
1: that. The same thought kind of went through my head where I'm like, I this seems like he's just trying to make him mess, get in his head before the game, you know. And it kind of yeah. worked because Harry was nervous, and but he was bold enough to go and you know try and get the book from him because he wanted to keep reading it because he was trying to get ready. And he ended up seeing Snape with uh Mr. Filch. And Snape's leg was all torn up, apparently from Fluffy, the three-headed dog that we learn his name is Fluffy. So that, it was a clever use of the book and, like, us learning that about Snape and about the whole rivalry and stuff like that. It was really cool of her to use the book as a plot element to get us to where he could see Snape in that situation. I thought that was a really smooth transition.
0: Yeah, it was... um... It didn't have the sort of like, like I, th- I think that whole interaction of like Harry stumbling upon them could have been really, could have felt really contrived. But it didn't. It, and it, it, it felt very much like, well, Snape, you kind of brought it on yourself. Like, why'd you have to go be a douche to Harry and like take his book from a clearly very okay place for him to have a book? Uh, well, here's your little bit of come up. It's here. You kind of can't trust anywhere. Also, I can't believe Hogwarts has a teacher's lounge.
1: Like, yeah i mean
0: it can but like it, it's it seems so pedestrian that hogwarts has yeah. a teacher's lounge
1: <laughs> and i wonder if it's just as dismal as every other teacher's lounge where it's just like a, they still manage to have crap crappy coffee it's still just kind of like second rate stuff whatever table broke in a classroom is the one that they get in the teacher's lounge i don't know it's funny it is it is a little bit of um stuff you wouldn't really think about for Hogwarts, but they need to go somewhere right
0: yeah oh well, I always just kind of assumed each teacher had like a uh, like I don't know a classroom that they that maybe had like a little ante room or something that or a closet <laughs> or somewhere i I don't know I just uh, it it, it's really sort it's, of
1: refreshing <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it's, it's and maybe this is like a carryover from I read this when I was a kid but you know how kids kind of forget that teachers have lives outside of School, well, I, I forgot that Hogwarts teachers probably had lives outside of school, too. And they had That's lives funny. outside of when they were teaching their students, probably. So even though they also live at a boarding school somewhere in, you know, off of an aisle in Scotland. Like, yeah,
1: oh. still counts. They still they still have their same teacher stuff. Yeah. Uh, so Harry sees this and he learns that apparently Snape has been um, trifling with the dog and I guess we'll we'll get to that um, when we get to their conversation with Hagrid. But for now, Harry just has that bouncing through his head. And, you know, he told his group of friends and and then uh, he has to go play the game of Quidditch on not that much sleep. And he doesn't really feel like eating and he's just watching everybody else eat like sausage and ketchup, which I I don't know. Breakfast sausage with ketchup sounds terrible to me, but maybe that's a. Maybe that's a Europe thing.
0: It, it 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 feels very UK to me when I read that. I was like, Oh yeah, I buy it.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Sausage, ketchup, breakfast. I don't know. I feel like that's just a great way to start your day with Heartburn. But it worked for them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so Harry goes out, this is his first match, even though apparently it's a little bit later in the season, uh, because even though it's the first time he's played, uh it's an important enough game. That it will get them ranked second place. It will get Gryffindor ranked second place if they win it. So it's a big deal, uh, especially against Slytherin.
0: Yeah. How how convenient that they that they play against what seems to be Gryffindor's rival house, and they're in Harry's first. It's 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 a little convenient. Like why why couldn't it be against like Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw? Yeah. Right. But. Be- because what? because those houses don't really get to get filled out at all. Like we haven't met any Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff students yet. We've only met Gryffindor and Slytherin, so it, it yeah. feels sort of like the world's only expanded to those two houses so far. Yeah, but... and
1: that's fine. And it seems like they did it against Slytherin because they needed to save up their secret weapon Harry. Even though talk about worst kept secret, I- I'm pretty sure Harry told people that he was going to be a seeker the day he found out he told ron so it's like it's no mystery that like it caught on that ron's brothers found out and all that like it it's a really poorly kept secret
0: well and you've got like seven players on a quidditch team and i would bet that the weasley twins are like the same way that they were when when harry was sorted into gryffindor and they're chanting we got potter like they're probably like, oh yeah. Th- they're like a little defensive because Woods, their their captain, and he seems like someone who could probably give him a good throttling if, if they needed one. But they're still probably like, oh yeah, we got Potter. He's great. <laughs>
1: like we got Potter. You won't believe what we have Potter doing. You won't even just see it coming. You and people like wait. Uh, <laughs> and I love that uh, when when the game actually starts, Potter's strategy that they've been working on for so long is to fly up above everybody, stay out of the action and look for the snitch. And I read that line and I'm like, wait, so you mean the only job of a seeker? Like, how is this a strategy? How is this something that like they had to tell him to do? Like, what's his other option? Like fly around amidst the chaos? Like, eh." I'm like, man, I feel like they're really breaking this down for the kids on this.
0: I feel like anyone, anyone could like take the quaffle. And score. And and so maybe he's like, don't, like... Like, obviously, Harry's not the, like, inflated sen- sense of self-worth kind of kid. But, like, don't get, you know, arrogant and try to do everyone else's job. Like, stay out of the Bludger's way. Don't try to help anyone out if it looks a little shifty with, like... If Slytherin's got the quaffle and you're right by him, let him go by you. Let everyone else deal mm. with that. Like... Yeah. Just... just Stay out of trouble and end the game quickly for us.
1: (laughs) And it's funny because he's such an out, out, out outfielder that a ball gets even somewhat close to him and he dodges the quaffle super easily because it's like a cannon shot. He can just kind of like step aside or fly aside. And one of the Weasley twins flew up there and he's like, hey, how's it going? And Harry's like, hey, (laughs) he's just kind of out there doing his own thing. I kind of like that little dynamic. And this whole thing, everything that we're seeing in the Quidditch game, it's all narrated through Lee Jordan, who is a Gryffindor, he's a friend of the Weasleys, and that's the plot device and the exposition bot of this chapter, but it feels so natural when he's giving this play-by-play of what's happening in the game, and they add a little bit of humor, like, I love what they did with, with Lee Jordan's talking.
0: Me too, I totally, like... I was thinking I was a little bit dreading this chapter because I didn't remember how she told it. And reading about sports can be really just sort of exhausting because athletics can be are so fast, but you can only read so fast and very rarely are like complicated maneuvers and all that explained succinctly. And so I was just like, oh, gosh, if it's a play by play of this Quidditch match, like. I'm sure it's great because I read through it as a kid and I loved it, but I, like, ugh, that that's that's maybe not great. And then I forgot that it's just this Lee Jordan, and it's just like fragments of like, and now Flint's got it, and what it, you know, what a terrible human being, and oh, and then it's this great, incredible swap, swap yeah. by one of the beaters, one of the Weasley twins, who knows which one? I don't care. And then over here, and he's just like, like a a fragmented play-by-play with just enough sass to be entertaining um but also with with uh, just enough sort of like awkwardness to that sass to feel like you're definitely a teenage kid trying to be funny and succeeding most of the time
1: <laughs> but, yeah like, it's definitely sometimes... someone who is very aware that they have an audience and yeah it's like trying to ham it up for the audience but at the same time he's also you know being under the ever watchful eye of mcgonagall but it's it's cool that she writes in such fragments, and she even gets away with on chapter or sorry on page one eighty six of the paper back um, there's like a giant giant block of text and it's all one sentence and it's separated with um what do they call those long dashes
0: M dashes yeah n
1: dashes it's separated with n dashes, which I think still counts as the same sentence, right so it's yes. uh. End dashes and commas, but it's just this huge chunk of text, and it's just one sentence, and it really does capture the fragmented, like, this is all one cohesive thought, but there's just so many things happening, going, you know, flying all around.
0: And it's, you know, it, it blurs the edges of all the details, which we just, we don't really need as the reader. You get the thrill, you get the, the general like, oh, this person's in the lead, oh, here's the attitude, oh, here's who's ahead, and and that that's all you need as a reader at this point. We're not quidditch analysts. We don't need to know every single move of every single player.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we do learn. We see a little bit of insight into like the fouling system and how everyone gets upset with the referee and all that. And it, it's they're just kind of trying to explain that it's a lot like earth sports only, you know, on brooms in the middle of air in the middle of the air and stuff. But it's uh they have a lot of the same hang-ups. They have a lot of the same um uh, apparently sometimes referees get transported to the desert if they make a bad yeah. call, which seems a little like... Uh, I feel like somebody could probably go to wizard jail for that, honestly. That seems dangerous. But apparently it happens enough. Uh, so all of this is happening, and then um, Harry's broom starts to go askew, and it's very clearly being messed with because it's it's not only just like kind of acting weird, it's actively trying to... like go up and get him completely out of the action.
0: And, like, uh, buck him off like a bronco at the rodeo. Like...
1: Yeah. It, and, and... I'm just
0: sort of imagining, like, this is the wizard equivalent of rodeo, is is Bewitched Brooms. <laughs>
1: totally. And I'd pay to watch that. I think that's hilarious. Uh, uh, but, but not
0: not when that's not what you bargained for.
1: That's true. And this whole thing seems to go on for... I mean, the chapter tries to give us a little bit sense of timing where it says that um, when they find out, first of all, they have enough time of Harry Potter going through all this, like being bucked around by his broom. All this is happening. And they in the meantime, Hermione is looking at Snape while everybody's looking up at Harry. She's looking to figure out who is doing something. And she focuses on Snape and she sees that he's muttering stuff. And she takes this whole time to walk over to him to catch him on fire. And then it says it took him 30 seconds to realize that he was on fire. And then it also says, I swear this is going somewhere, I swear. But it also says that um, Neville had been sobbing into Hagrid's jacket for the last Oh my minutes. gosh, I
0: wrote that down too. I was like, whoa, frail Neville. Like, just chill out. <laughs>
1: like, but, like, like, to compare this to a rodeo, it is incredible to stay on a bucking bull for eight seconds. Or oh yeah. even that that is a long time on something that is powerful that is actively trying to get you off eight seconds. Well like and yeah,
0: eight 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 seconds I think in the rodeo is your like minimum and if you don't stay on eight seconds then you're disqualified. And very yeah. few people end up actually making it the eight seconds. And
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, so here we have Harry staying on this bucking broom flying hundreds of feet in the air for, for over like five minutes.
0: Long really? time.
1: I I kind of have a hard time believing that. And maybe that was just the author I don't know. Maybe he was hiding in Hagrid's coat for some other reason ever since he got fouled or something like that. But it seems like he is in the air fighting this broom for a really, really long time. Even if it's just the 30 seconds for uh, Snape to notice that he's on fire. I, I'm i just like, man, that is a long time to be hanging on to something. But it worked out. Um, I was kind of curious... I know you've already read this before, but I just I just kinda want to get your opinion. Do you think Snape was trying to kill Harry?
0: Um I I think uh I think I shouldn't answer that question. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I guess I guess um, I yeah, I think any way that I answer that question will spoil something. I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to do it, and I just can't. Fair so enough. I'm I'm gonna plead the f- the the whatever the fifth is for for not incriminating uh, characters. Well, <laughs> like- I guess
1: so. I think that that's a pretty serious thing to do, especially in a Quidditch match. Like, an important match, and he's jinxing the broom. I feel like Snape could get, like, seriously in big trouble for that. If it's true that he was jinxing the broom and stuff, that's not just like a, oh, a funny little you ruined the game red card. You can't come to any more, like, games. I think he could get fired for that. Like, this is oh, someone oh, putting probably. a... F- yeah. But I'm, I'm if-
0: wondering, how, how do you think... Uh- anyone would figure out who did it.
1: Like, yeah. that, there's...
0: Like, brooms seem to have weird, like, attitudes, and, like, clearly there was something wrong with that broom. There was something going wrong. And they know that it was a brand-new broom. But, like, uh, it's all you know, I, I think it'll take them a little while to piece all the pieces together, and by that point, will there be any evidence left for them to actually convict sort of a situation? And I... I it's everyone was looking up Hermione was the only one and the first adult that they went to who trusts them said of course not so yeah yeah he's like he would never
1: do that he's a teacher yeah
0: he's he's a he's a trusted person and so on top of that he has his reputation going for him which is that he's a professor who'd never do that so I I think yeah there would be a lot at stake if if that was like, if that was something that Snape was doing, but I I don't, I, I, I think there would be a lot to protect him as well.
1: Yeah. And I mean, speaking of protect, like, it is possible that Snape was watching this happening and he was, maybe Snape's the only one who knows how to do a feather fall spell. And he was trying to cast something where it's like, oh man, if he falls off, then I want to make sure to catch him. Uh But maybe maybe but man the way that they set it up with we already see that snape is upset with harry we've established that twice already in the chapter when he comes up to him and he takes his book and then later when he's caught with the gashes in his legs he is not happy with harry so um it 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 makes a lot more sense that he's the one that jinxed the broom especially because he has so much on stake with the quidditch match with with everything and like who else would be trying to kill him except for snape maybe a character we haven't met yet maybe it's I, I don't know but it seems like Snape is definitely the bad guy here and maybe there's something I don't know but um, or if, like, if it is true and it's Snape and he's trying to kill him or if he's trying even if he's just screwing up the game this bad that is like a really big deal
0: like maybe he's just trying to hurt him and then also catch him but like, oh, we're we're gonna just like seriously ruin you and take you out for the season.
1: <laughs> that could something. be like,
0: like yeah. Maybe the stakes aren't that high actually. Maybe it's terrifying because in the moment that he, that like, from a distance it looks scary, and then in Harry's head it's scary. But in reality, we're not in any. We aren't. There's no close proximity with this narrator to any adult who has beyond like a couple months worth of a wizarding education. So we don't actually know <laughs> like maybe there there was an easy fail safe in case, like, I mean players have to fall off their brooms all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, there has to be some kind it, of it's, fail safe. It's,
0: it's sort of like how every high school, every football game has like an ambulance waiting in the wings in case <laughs> someone gets hurt. Like
1: That really like, helps with yeah, concussions by the way.
0: Like, there's some risk, for sure, but they also like they've done the things that they need to do to be prepared in case things go wrong.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And like you said, nobody would believe that it was Snape anyway. Nobody could catch him anyway, even if it was Snape. And yeah, I guess my short answer is no, I don't think Snape was trying to kill him. I think he was just trying to disrupt the game. Um, But we do go on to learn a lot more about um, what Snape could have possibly been doing. And how he could have gotten bit by fluffy uh and we learned that at Higrid's house after the game oh yeah but at the game sorry I guess to finish the game um while Harry is in like free falling to earth during this whole five minute period where everything's going wrong he somehow catches the snitch in his mouth is that right or did they just kind of make it yeah he catches it no, in his mouth lands on his it's legs it's like he and, like, coughs swallowed it,
0: it or something i was trying to it happened so fast in the text i was like wait did we even like get to see the action of it but yeah he's like on the broom like get the bro- he gets the broom back under control after hermione sets snape on fire and then he like goes into this death-defying 50-foot dive or something and then like coughs up the snitch
1: yeah <laughs> like, yeah which that's fortuitous, I guess. um it won them the game by like a pretty big margin, so
0: <laughs> I love the I forget who it it was Flint the the Slytherin, uh captain who's like he didn't even catch it. He swallowed it. it doesn't count <laughs>
1: like it's like no, that hundred percent counts. <laughs>
0: like you try catching it. it's a lot harder <laughs> like mm-hmm. or you try swallowing it. oh, too funny. Yeah.
1: So it worked out for the better, and maybe that was part of maybe that was somebody else trying to get the snitch to him too. So who knows? Um but we do go on and Hagrid accidentally tells this the three way more than he meant to, uh after the game when they're they're sitting down for tea. And we learn that um apparently the three had a dog, Fluffy, Hagrid is the one who rounded him up and put him in there. Um And maybe he did that as like a secret directive with Dumbledore and like nobody knows. My hunch is though, like, I don't think Snape was, I don't know. I feel like Snape knew the dog was there and he was probably just like doing something to take care of the dog. Or maybe when the distraction happened on Halloween, it was also Snape's first thought that like, oh, somebody's breaking in. I should go make sure that they don't get past Fluffy. And he goes in to check on Fluffy and it said he's the one who gets bit. So, I don't know what Snape's up to uh but apparently he's trying to do something with the dog
0: i don't yeah i I still um I don't think we have any evidence that that Snape knows that there's a dog there, necessarily, so like I don't know that we have any evidence that he's taking care of the dog. I mean
1: somebody's got to, and maybe that's his way of like trying to get to like the defense of the dark arts promotion where he's like, you know what?" i'm gonna show that i'm pretty good at defending myself against animals even though he's not apparently (laughs) like he's supposed to be like a powerful wizard and he gets bit by a dog like really
0: that'd be the worst tactic like dumbledore i'm gonna prove what what if he thinks it's not like uh, uh, just all a test of like okay clearly this this new defense against the dark arts guy like we hired (laughs) him and, like, he was fine, and then he took the summer off, and he came back, and he's petrified of everything. Like, clear, not, clearly not going to work out. So yeah. we need a new person. Let's just set an elaborate trap and see who gets past it. That's the next guy we're hiring.
1: Hey, <laughs> like, you never know. And Snape's
0: like, I'm game. Let me at it. Three-headed dog. Oh, crap. I'm allergic. Run. It bites his leg off. <laughs>
1: That sounds like a very Dumbledore thing to do. Oh, yeah. Man. So we learn that Hagrid put the dog there and that apparently, um, Snape was with the dog. And and when Snape gets injured, he doesn't go to the school nurse, he doesn't go to Dumbledore, he goes to uh the the caretaker, Filch. Um Which means that it it really doesn't make him look good. Like why would he be talking to kind of a somewhat neutral third party like why won't he talk to teachers about his wound why won't he go to the nurse like why is he trying to keep this a secret
0: maybe he did know about fluffy and he's been sworn to secrecy um and filch is also in on it
1: or yeah, that makes sense it would make sense for maybe, the caretaker to know
0: or maybe he and filch are in cahoots and they're both trying to get in i mean it could
1: could be May,
0: i mean filch is very much a cat person <laughs> <So>. <laughs> exactly yeah, very much <laughs> They're a, cat a raging person. war on the three-headed dog with snape's allergies and filch's dog hatred
1: <laughs> and i still uh I, this is a reminder to our listeners that i still have not seen mr filch and the cat in the same place at the same time still haven't seen it so uh mr filch is totally the cat mrs norris mm-hmm.
0: Mr. alias Mrs. Norris. (laughs) and
1: Until I see them in the same place at the same time, I'm going to continue believing that. And I'm I'm happy to be proven wrong. That's fine. But for now, they are the one and the same.
0: (laughs) That is your headcanon and you're sticking to it.
1: Exactly. Prove me wrong, J.K. Rowling. Uh, But yeah, Hagrid goes about saying... um, Like, oh, Snape would never try to get in there. He would never try to steal the, oh, and then he catches himself before he says whatever he's going to say. And then he uh, also says that whatever's behind there, whatever's behind Fluffy, that's between Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel. Flamel? Flamel? Mm. Hmm.
0: In the movie, they say Flamel.
1: Flamel. Okay.
0: When I was a kid, I read it Flamel.
1: (laughs) Flamel. (laughs) Oh. I don't know what dialect that would be. So (laughs) apparently, yeah, apparently Dumbledore is in cahoots with uh, Nicholas Flamel to uh, protect this package, whatever it is. Um, And now it's up to the students to figure out who that is, why that person matters. And Hagrid, as soon as he figures out that he said too much, he just clams up and we can't get anything out of him for a while. So
0: it's haggard is is the worst secret keeper ever (laughs) like which is why i I love the other thing that he let slip of like um oh yeah i bought i bought fluffy off a greek a greek chappy i met in a pub last year (laughs) like like yeah you're 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 buying massive three-headed creatures on a a pub black market essentially apparently i love it and why yeah. would you admit that? That has to be a crime. <laughs> like I mean, to admit
1: that to anyone. Maybe it's like trading to livestock, you know, you're at a country bar and you, know, you sit next to a cowboy and he's like, ah, you know, I'm trying to get rid of this cow and you're like, Great, I'm in the market for a cow. And if he <laughs> sold it to you, that would that wouldn't be illegal. That's that's just a you know, that's a uh, common buying just, something from someone.
0: It just sounds sketchy to me. It sounds it sounds like a little bit of a, a shady deal. I mean, he ended up yeah, with a three-headed yeah. dog that he then locked up in, in a corridor for yeah. who knows how long.
1: Like, he probably... There's a little bit of hush money involved here where he's like, let's not... I'm, I won't tell anyone that you sold it to me if you don't tell anyone that you sold it to me. You know? And the other like,
0: guy's like, <laughs> this 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 works, yes. <laughs> yeah, this never happened.
1: So... um. I guess we're on to predictions
0: yeah um well i i've I've got i've got a whole list of them for the end of the next chapter that i think will go better once we've talked about because we go in the next chapter has just so much about nicholas flamel or so much trying to figure out about nicholas flamel so sounds
1: good So, so
0: let's 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 do favorite quotes
1: my favorite quote um I would say my favorite quote is on page 186. Sorry, I'm flipping to it now. And it's the same. It's it's in the giant paragraph, um, the, the super, super long sentence. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the part of it that I like. So this is Lee Jordan uh, announcing the game, the Quidditch match. And at one point he says... Um, Quaffle taken by the Slytherins. That's Andrew and Pusey speeding off towards the goalpost, but he's blocked blocked by a second bludger sent his way by Fred or George Weasley. Can't tell which. Nice play by the Gryffindor beater anyway. I just love that where it's like the announcer whose job is to keep track of what player is what and who's doing what. He, he doesn't know which of the brothers beat it. And he just is like, eh, it's one of them. And either way, nice job. I just thought that was funny. That was one of the little things in that sentence where I'm like, okay, that's clever.
0: Yeah, I I love that line. That's one of my favorites, and uh, and it I feel like it just emphasizes the need for like Quidditch needs jerseys with numbers. Why don't right? they have jerseys with numbers?
1: Yeah, like. it doesn't seem like it'd be that hard to do it. You know, if <laughs> if Hermione can do a charm to make a banner that changes colors, and it's she's a first year, I'm sure they could figure out a way to get like a nice clear number system set up.
0: Hmm. How
1: yeah, about you? but
0: um, okay so my, my favorite line is the, the, the page before um, and it's it's a couple of it's three sentences um, and it's, it's actually about the banner that Hermione and all the f- uh, first year Gryffindors made for Harry that says Potter for president um, and so it says out of the corner of his eye Harry's eye he saw the fluttering banner high above flashing Potter for president over the crowd his heart skipped he felt braver
1: oh I do and like I- that line
0: and i was just like he's so nervous throughout this whole thing and 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 harry's never really had anyone cheering for him and uh, to have a whole group of people who banded together and made a banner for him and like bewitched it and learned all this stuff and like dean's apparently a fantastic artist and like so they just all used their own skills to make this great thing and yeah. and and i and it just works. love I love how much of an effect that that has on him. It's just so calming. And I think it's really telling of uh, how important his community is to him and how important being encouraged is to him. So yeah. I love it. I love it so
1: and much. it's really cool to see that even though this is his very first um, Quidditch match, that, that people know, to, know that that's important and know that he needs that support and they're there for him. And it really shows that. As much time has gone by, they really have grown a close bond, and Harry really is fully integrated. And it's really sweet. It gives me it gives me the warm fuzzies, you know.
0: Yeah. Love it.
1: <laughs> so on to chapter twelve, the mirror of Arized. How do you say it?
0: Yeah, in the films they say Aresed
1: okay i, I when just know it's kid
0: i read it erised. rised e-rised <laughs> i was just real great at, at not getting the british accent in there
1: <laughs> <laughs> i for some reason something about the font that they chose like the the lowest um bar of the e is way shorter on whatever font they use mm. so i read it as an f the first time where i'm like frisade <laughs> i'm like oh makes, yeah that makes no yeah. sense yeah so i read that probably
0: looks a little like an f i i i can see it
1: yeah um, as soon as i realized it was desire backwards i'm like okay that's way easier to remember
0: yeah okay so you, you're you already got the uh you used oh, yes. your, your your adult brain to put together the next i have decrypted backwards. all
1: the latin in this chapter i i have translations <laughs> to follow uh tell us a little bit about uh what happens in this chapter
0: Okay, um, so the Mirror of Erised uh, takes place uh, over Christmas time, and so they've got like the end of of the year, sort of the end of that semester's classes a little bit, and the quarters are freezing, and everyone's just waiting for Christmas, and then finally the Christmas season comes, and Harry and the Weasleys are all alone in Gryffindor Tower, um, just basically wreaking all kinds of havoc, enjoying it so much, and. Um, so Harry gets an invisibility cloak as a gift for Christmas, though he's not sure who gave it to him. And then uh, he's, in in using the invisibility cloak to break into the library, he gets caught and runs off and ends up finding the mirror of Erised. And then he takes her on to see it. And, yeah, then he, he finds Dumbledore there, too. So a whole lot happens. A whole lot happens. I just said way more than I was supposed to, actually, in that <laughs> synopsis, because I just couldn't... There's just there's, too much. Yeah, there's a lot <laughs> to it,
1: and it's nice that the Quidditch chapter is short because now we can just kind of get right to the meat of it. Yeah. Uh, so it's right a good at the chapter, Whew. it is. Yeah, covers a lot of ground. Um, but it starts off with just kind of this. We're right back to Draco Malfoy being a bully, and he's picking on Ron. And the narrator just clearly, clearly states, you know how you say that like it gets in the head of different characters. It gets. Mm-hmm deep into the head of draco and it tells us exactly what his intentions are exactly why he's making fun of them and the ways that he's tried to make fun of them in the past and how it doesn't work and how he's trying this strategy because it's kind of his his go-to which i thought it felt a little bit unnatural and i kind of underlined parts of it where i'm like really like why 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 tell us this
0: yeah, yeah, that one actually um we sort of talked about this earlier, but I'm going to go back on what I said earlier. Um where the the part that said so Malfoy jealous and angry had gone back to taunting Harry. I was like, "Whoa. Why this it's it's just like the first time um Malfoy saw Harry across the Great Hall and was was sort of gloating across the Great Hall. It's like, "What? When, when have we ever been that close in Malfoy's head? Like, we haven't earned that. We haven't and the, yeah. the narrator hasn't set up, like, we're, we get to be in this sort of villainous and antagonist mind. We've pretty much only been in protagonist and and friendly minds, essentially. So, yeah, that, that this time sort of bothered me the same way it, ha- it did that first time when Harry got mail. <laughs> and, yeah, and when Harry got yeah. the broom, that's what it was.
1: Okay, so I'm glad but, I'm not alone, because I'm just like, this... I mean like it's nice to know I guess but it just felt a little bit like heavy handed
0: but I do, I do still think um, that, that it does do the job that uh, Malfoy could easily be made into a primary villain and I don't think he deserves that and I don't think Rowling yeah. wanted to make him that and so by sort of explaining why he's doing what he's doing I, I, I think that allows us not to get too invested and not to wonder what's going to happen between Harry and Malfoy as much. Like, it, it never quite feels like super high stakes with Malfoy. Like, Malfoy's just hmm. a bully. <laughs> and so... Yeah, But yeah. But if we weren't really sure about his motives, uh, at least so far, like, we, we'd maybe be wondering, like, why? Why doesn't he just get over it? Kids, get over it. And why doesn't this guy? Like...
1: Yeah, and Come it's like, well, on. he's jealous and angry, as we are so yeah. clearly told. Uh, but that kind of happens, and there's a little bit of an argument, and then Snape takes off five more points because, uh, whatever, apparently just none of this matters. Uh, and then um, Hagrid is carrying treason, which gives the three, the trio, just enough time to really. Um, try to pick Hagrid's brain again because he's stuck carrying a tree so he can't really go anywhere so they're just like hey hey what about this who's this uh who's this Nicholas Flannel guy and then they tell him they tell Hagrid pretty much that they've been looking into him and that they've been looking into Nicholas and that they're reading up on you know trying to find him in books and that they're going to find him no matter what so it's easier if Hagrid just tells them like it's a very interesting strategy that they took with him.
0: Yeah, I was, I I wanted to ask you about it, because I have no idea. Um, Do you think that they're, like, trying to just be really open, hoping that, like, oh, we just, like, that's how we got stuff out of Haggard before, is we would just, like, get him talking because he'd be flustered by what we know? Yeah. Or do you you think that they're, like, that there's this sort of relative lack of concern, over over the severity of whether this is whatever this is like hagrid is clearly like not okay with them knowing whatever it is and it is it's been described as like like the the stuff whatever fluffy's guarding and all sorts of stuff is described as you know you'll die a horrible death at the end so the stakes yeah. have been established as very high but it, are, are the kids just unconcerned by that? Do they think that they're invincible? Or, no. Or, or are they genuinely concerned that like, oh, we saw Snape trying to steal this and we think Snape was trying to kill Harry during the Quidditch match. So like this is of, of concern to us. We feel like we're linked to it. Like there there are no. so many different reasons they could be doing it, but I can't figure out what the reason that they're so wildly curious is.
1: Yeah, and is it
0: just that they're curious, and so they're not—they're invested until something else shiny comes along, you know?
1: Yeah, I think um, it's a lot more that they think Hagrid's on their side, and that I hmm, think—I think that they are convinced that they can wear Hagrid down, and that they've already told him that Snape might be a bad guy and he's not really believing them and they're like no 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 like you have to trust us this is important I think they take it more seriously um I don't think kids would spend that much time in the library researching uh, over Christmas break for something that was just kind of the new shiny thing of the week I think they really do have a lot of stakes in this and yeah
0: but it's it's like a half an hour before lunch and and it's all of them together so is, is it so much and like Ron's just like Pulling random books off the shelf and just leafing through. <laughs> so it's it's it, I think it's maybe it, it maybe could be more quality time than genuine research time and like, oh, we're, we're diving into these massive stacks of books that we can get lost in and pretty much do whatever we want in, and we can sit there and try to plot how can we get into the restricted section. And See, like...
1: and, that's, and that's exactly it, where it's like Harry Potter's first thought when he got the invisibility cloak was like, I need to go look at those restricted books to figure out who this was. I think I think they do care a little bit more, and that's kind of shown by like, he needs to do this, like right away that night he needs to go look for this person's name
0: okay so so if if they care what's fueling it like is it concern is it
1: yeah curiosity
0: is it is it bravado that they think that they could stop it is it is it fear that no one else sees it and so they yeah. have to stop it I
1: think I think that's exactly it I mean no one believed them that Snape was trying to cast jinxes no one believed them that Snape was trying to get past Fluffy so it's like yeah I think they are trying to take it upon themselves uh, I think they do see themselves as kind of heroes so yeah I'd, I'd say Bravada I'd say no one believes them so they're taking their own action yeah but it's definitely not just flavor of the week
0: okay because then that was the other thing where like later uh Harry finds the mirror and and then was it just the mirror or there there was maybe something else at the end of the chapter? Uh um, that's just the mirror. Yeah, it was just the mirror. So like and then the mirror just totally derails all of his care for it. And so I yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure if that was the desire thing or if it was really a a lack of commitment or a lack of connection to the to the nicholas flamel search a a like sort of curiosity that we're gonna chase after and then he can be tempted away from with the sort of fleeting attention span that kids can have
1: no no i think there's there's He could have been doing the most interesting... I feel like Fluffy could have been in the room with Harry, and he would have still kept staring in the mirror. Like, there is nothing more important to Harry. It was just
0: that 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 his desire was too strong, and so... Yeah,
1: exactly. There's nothing that could have stopped him. Snape could have been yelling at him this whole time, and he still would have been staring at the mirror. I'm thoroughly convinced, like... I, I don't think that lessens the search for Flamel at all. I think it's just, like... It's the it's what he's wanted to see for literally his entire life so it'd be weird if he probably doesn't have
0: any photos of them
1: no he'd never seen he didn't even recognize these people yeah so he just like saw little traits of himself um but that's that's getting a little bit ahead uh at first anyway (laughs) We do get to see, because it's Christmas time, we get to see um, a lot of the gifts that Harry Potter got and that the Weasleys got. And we got to see this awesome dynamic between all the Weasley brothers, where they're all in the same place and they're all joking off of each other and riffing off of each other. And the twins even got letters on their sweaters uh, to, to, like keep people um to apparently help people recognize them which is hilarious that's such like a mom inside joke thing to do where it's like oh i'll give you different letters so people can tell
0: well and and so my thought was um ron made the the complaining comment of like mine's always maroon i hate maroon Mm -hmm. and i'm like is it like i mean the twins have blue i think percy had i don't remember what color percy had And then Harry got green. And so they all got different colors. And I was like, is this a secret mom trick of like all my children? look-alike and they all have flaming red hair and like two of them are twins and i'm gonna color code them on christmas because i can't handle it and like... and <laughs> it so every be. year they get every year they get the same sweaters <laughs> the same color just a little bit bigger because they grow damn it yeah yeah. <laughs> and...
1: i think that's probably exactly it which backfires anyway because you can't they even joke that they switched sweaters already the twins did so <laughs> not a super effective which strategy
0: is, which is probably why they're both blue. <laughs>
1: like, yep, like yep. It,
0: at least I can tell it's one of the twins from a distance. Yeah. Because it's blue.
1: <laughs> but it is super sweet that Harry got a sweater. And apparently she put, like, more time into it, too, is what they were saying. I thought that was such like, just like a sweet little, like, you're part of the family. And even though he hasn't really spent time with the parents, it's cool that the parents recognize that he is a major figure in their lives because he plays Quidditch and because he's friends with Ron. Like, I think that was a really sweet gesture.
0: Well, Lynn, I- I've never thought about this, but that has to mean that that Ron and the twins and maybe Percy are all sending letters or communicating somehow with the parents back home. And yeah, I just yeah. have never really thought about it. Um and so like they have to they like they have to know what's going on i don't know i i just oh yeah always took that for granted as like oh mrs weasley saw him at the platform and helped him on so she sort of took him under her wing because of that but no she's probably just totally privy to at least the fact that like always playing footage with my sons and oh he's in the same house as my youngest son and they're Pretty good friends. Like they, she probably knows a limited amount because they're still teenage boys. But yeah, yeah. But she knows something, and that uh, I've never thought about that.
1: Yeah, hmm. and really, the whole Christmas thing in Hogwarts—it sounds so nice. And, and oh my gosh, it's a dream. Hundred turkeys. I wanted... uh, <laughs> yeah, and and wizard crackers. And the first time I read wizard crackers, I'm like, okay, is this some kind of like biscuit, like? What what is a wizard cracker? And it turns out that it's a it's like a little firecracker party popper, but it has presents in it, and sometimes live creatures, which seems which, very very ill conceived.
0: Now now that I'm older and a little bit more uh, knowledgeable about UK culture, like that that's a pretty common um, Muggle UK thing, a real life thing of of Christmas crackers. They're huh. just like these little rolled up papers, and and you you pull on one end and someone else pulls on the other end and it kind of explodes a little bit. And there's like usually a paper mache crown and like stuff like maybe, um, kazoos or, or little party blower things and stuff like that hmm. in it. So like, it's a very British Christmas tradition. And so I love that they've wizardized it now that I understand yeah. it. <laughs> Cause I read, I'm sure as a, as a kid, I was like, a Cracker that animals come out of? Yeah, like of, how does that? I'm so work? confused.
1: Yeah, and it took me a second <laughs> to catch on to it, and I'm just like, oh, okay, I think I get it now. Uh, but part of what I was wondering okay, so there's a hat that came out of one of them. Apparently, Harry got a new wizard's chest set out of one of the wizard crackers. At least that's how I read it. Yep.
0: Which that's leads what me happened. to wonder
1: like, I thought these were on a like big bowl on the table who decides who gets the present do you just like yeah maybe you get two mice but maybe you get a nice wizard's chest set like that's hmm that's a huge gap between quality of gifts you know where wizard's chest that seems expensive i I don't know why they would just kind of have that laying around on the table for someone to get but apparently i
0: I would guess that in each wizard crack in each christmas cracker Mm -hmm. there was at least one nice gift and so like the nice hats and the like like who like maybe probably not books but like i'm trying to think of what hermione would like of something that would come out yeah yeah maybe some like bewitched jewelry or something Um, but like some high quality gifts like one in each christmas cracker would be my bet and that like he was maybe playing with hermione at that point and hermione who's not a fan of wizard chess would be like i don't want it it's yours yeah could
1: be could be or
0: well i guess hermione wasn't there though but um
1: either way but yeah he could have traded for it or
0: something yeah yeah
1: so yeah christmas sounds great the feast is awesome he's all full and happy and he has his gifts and uh one thing that he's gifted okay first of all the uh what is it the dursleys send him like a 50 pence piece or not even 50 pence it's like,
0: it's, yeah, it's 50, it's 50, 50 p.
1: Yeah. Which is such a dismal amount of money that Harry's like, I don't even, I don't even care. You can have it. <laughs> it's so funny. At least they sent him something, but that's a very Dursley gift. Uh, but he gets an invisibility cloak from, I don't know, someone who knew his dad, apparently someone who writes in swoopy letters, which kind of rules out Snape, in my opinion, rules out snape rules out hagrid rules out i guess not mcgonagall but i i don't see mcgonagall wanting harry potter to get out and like sneak around so i have no i genuinely have no idea who sent it no idea no no uh do you
0: do you think um do you think the the notes telling the truth
1: yeah i don't see why not I I mean, my far out, my, like, long ball guess would be that it is the guy that they're looking for in the books. I'm scrolling, trying to find his name.
0: Nicholas Flamel?
1: Yeah, it could be Flamel. It could... I mean, okay, now that you mention it, it's probably Dumbledore. It's probably Dumbledore. But, who knows? Uh, Maybe this whole thing was an elaborate setup to get Harry in front of the mirror, and... So Dumbledore could catch him multiple times, apparently, (laughs) because he was invisible the first time. Who knows? Uh, Yeah, now that I think about it, probably Dumbledore. Uh, Hmm. guess that answers that. So he gets an invisibility cloak and he right away is going to look through the books, but he comes across a screaming book that totally, totally blows his cover. Uh, That is terrifying. Why do you think a book would scream? Like, what do you think that's all about?
0: I I think it's it's jinxed because it's in the restricted section. Like, for him to think that the only failsafe protecting student pr- protecting the information in the restricted section from like curious eyes of students who shouldn't be looking at it and other people who shouldn't be looking at it is Madame Pince. Like
1: no. Yeah. yeah, that's a good like,
0: point. That's she is not the only thing making sure there's like everything is as it should be in that library. They're jinxed. And so Harry goes and it's just, it's, it's such a rookie mistake (laughs) of like, I'm good. Like they can't see me. No one's
1: going to notice. And he's just grabbing random books and stuff. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So, uh, with, uh, Harry sneaking around doing all this stuff. Um,
0: so Harry, uh, takes the invisibility cloak and he goes to the library thinking, I'm going to finally get to the bottom of this Nicholas Flamel mystery that's gonna be my christmas present and he goes and he gets screamed at by the book and he panics and he runs and he just barely squeezes by snape and filch
1: Mm -hmm. both of them yeah which
0: the two of them together again at night so like
1: they must be in cahoots doing something yeah they (laughs) must be talking a lot at night you know who wasn't there Alyssa? huh Uh, mrs norris Just saying. <laughs> the, the theory the theory nice. holds true. <sighs> so, yeah, apparently those two were talking. And as soon as, you know, Filch even said that um, he he was telling Snape, he's like, you said to come to you if anybody ever sneaking around. So I'm coming to you and telling you. So, yeah, Snape has a very vested interest in knowing who's sneaking around, like more so than usual, that he would go out of his way to tell Filch to do that. Um and then Harry ends up in this room with the mirror and I I, hmm, I don't know if that was planned or not because Dumbledore seems to catch on pretty quick. Dumbledore wasn't there the first time, but he was there the second time when he brings Ron back. Uh, and yeah, like like I was saying, like Harry Potter looked in and he saw these people that he later figured out. Well, I mean, I guess he kind of assumed there's no real evidence, but he assumed that they were his parents. and. All of a sudden nothing else matters. Like that mirror is his full attention, is the only thing that he can think about. And we really see a different, very obsessive side of Harry. Because
0: sometimes it I think it takes some great humility to admit what our deepest desires are. And while we've heard from Ron that, like, oh, like, I'm I'm never gonna like my whole family's already paved the way for me i'm never gonna be different like we've heard that side of it but we haven't heard him actually admit and i would believe that he hasn't really he's not even really comfortable with it himself that like i want to be the best like he clearly loves his family yeah but he wants to be the best and he really wants to make everybody
1: proud yeah
0: and well, and, and he he just wants to surpass everyone else, and there's a really uncomfortable competitive nature in that desire, and I would bet that eleven-year-old Ron is is probably just getting old enough to realize that like oh that's that's a, a hard that, that that's a hard thing to grapple with, and so he probably doesn't quite understand that like this is my deepest desire in clear terms. He knows it in his heart when he sees it that this is incredible. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. as far as being able to admit it, Harry could probably piece it together if yeah. Harry weren't preoccupied with, well, if you're not seeing what I you you came here to see, then get out of the way. I want to see what I came here to see. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and, and I mean, at first, they, he he wasn't even sure if it was reflecting invisible people or real people. Like he He couldn't even figure out if it was real or not. So, I guess maybe I'm assuming a lot that maybe an 11-year-old kids can piece together this kind of complicated mirror. So, okay, I'll give him some slack for that. But what he should have done is uh cracked out his old uh backwards English reading to look up what uh <laughs> the 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 kind of faux latin on the bottom. Yeah, what says, what
0: does it say, Clark?
1: <laughs> oh, yes, it says uh of course on which uh, if you kind of reverse it it says I show not your face but your heart's true desire which took which, me a like, little, little bit of time to figure out with all the spaces
0: who makes a mirror and like puts a like a, a pretty clear description on it but just in English and reversed why not pick like I, I don't know a less standardized language or a, a, a more obscure language and then like screw with it <laughs>
1: yeah but I think maybe the point is it's like they write on ambulances when you look in your rearview mirror you can see that it says ambulance but if you look at it without a mirror that it, it's it's all messy looking so maybe it's mm-hmm. like that where it's like yeah it's a mirror but if you look at the letters with the mirror then it makes sense but oh, yeah, even then the not really thing. because the letters aren't reversed but yeah ah. I don't know. I was thinking about that, too. Where I'm like, what's the point? Like, yeah, it's this secret... Not secret, but it's this mirror that does this thing, but you tell people what it does, but not in a clear way. Yeah, it's its a weird decision. But whoever, in, whoever made it was probably a little bit too clever by half anyway because they have to hide the darn thing and move it around. So...
0: It's huge, so, like, good luck with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I have a question. How do you think... Dumbledore knew that Harry had seen the mirror enough that he was there the second time invisible watching them which it, it a little creepy I, I have to say a little bit creepy but do
0: you think there's much that goes on in Hogwarts that Dumbledore doesn't know about
1: um I don't know like, because like, if if he knew like
0: maybe maybe um Filch then like his standard is to report to Dumbledore in the morning. These are all the shenanigans that happened last night and Dumbledore's like, "Hmm. Someone in the restricted section and you couldn't find anyone and hmm. 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 I know about this weird mirror over in that corner that we just sort of stashed there that is a little uh Kind of not good magic to probably be exposing wayward children to.
1: Yeah, and he probably could have looked. I, and I seen better I better check too. on that. And yeah. also, if
0: anyone saw themselves in that, they're gonna be returning.
1: Yeah, <laughs> very much so. So I guess it was elaborate. I I don't think it's elaborate enough that Dumbledore gave Harry Potter the invisibility cloak with the intention of Harry Potter finding the mirror. I think that was just coincidence. Um, but if Dumbledore knew. About that, I feel like Dumbledore would also know about little Snape's thing. So, so I don't know. Maybe he does know what Snape is up to. That's maybe the hard does.
0: part. Or, or maybe Filch can't be trusted. Yeah, like like Filch reports all the student shenanigans, but he never tells him about Snape. Like Dude, he reports to Snape first, and then Snape sort of filters. Like, yeah, you can tell Dumbledore about that.
1: Filch would be such the Scooby-Doo throwaway villain. Ah, uh, if Filch is. <laughs> Oh, it was the caretaker the whole time. Who knew? There's a secret hallway. I'll
0: get you, kids, and your little dog too.
1: <sighs> I would be so upset if it turns out that Filch is somehow like a bad guy. I'd, it, come on, <laughs> that's just so like the butler did it. Uh, so, <laughs> my prediction: not Filch. If it's Filch, I, I'm 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 done.
0: What What if it's Missus Norris? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, uh,
0: is mr filch also in the room
1: i don't know (laughs) if it's both of them and i can see both of them and the cat does it then yeah that's fine but
0: what what if it's um what if this all boils down to a a major like existential crisis where filch and mrs norris did used to be the same person and then they split
1: oh man (laughs) there's disharmony that'd be rough and like in the one sense she's his other half but they kind of drive each other crazy because it's the conflicting mm-hmm. huh who knows who knows uh it's
0: a great head cannon we should run with it yeah yeah <laughs> anyway.
1: it's, it's it's there it's not too far out compared to where we already have the cannon it's just one, <laughs> one more step away uh yeah. but we get to see this interaction between harry and dumbledore once dumbledore realizes that the mirror and stuff is there and harry is coming back to it and Dumbledore is not mad. He's not chewing Harry Potter out. He's not saying that, you know, you shouldn't be out here. He just kind of explains what's going on with the mirror and why Harry needs to be very careful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we skipped over Ron a little bit, but I think that's okay. Um, yeah, because... And what struck me here was that, like, this is... Harry's first conversation with Dumbledore right like yeah and and when I when I think back to when I was a kid and I sort of came in proximity with like our the school principal or something even when I knew I wasn't doing anything wrong it still sort of put me on edge a little of like oh this is an authority figure with a lot of power that who could if they perceive me wrong and they only have this sort of fragmented perspective of me of this one interaction like i always believed that that principals didn't really know the students even though that's probably not true at all yeah like they yeah. probably make it their job to know all their students um but i always assumed like oh man i've got this one interaction to make a good impression otherwise the principal's gonna think i'm a rotten kid or something and i, I sort of am surprised that like there's no real trepidation with harry there i don't think It's just a very casual conversation, and Dumbledore proves, like, he knows his students. He knows what Ron has seen, and he knows what Harry has seen, and he knows Ron's family situation, and maybe that's just from, like, spying on them the time before, but I get the sense that it's just he knows it, And, and... that's really impressive. I feel like Hogwarts is a really big school, <laughs> and yeah, and he yeah. sees a lot of students and has seen a lot of students, and to still be able to keep them straight. Granted, he's a Weasley, so you know, yeah, he's you a learn Weasley one and family story. Harry's you a learn Potter seven, yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. So he does know his students well. I do think that it's a little bit less remarkable because, yeah, it is Harry Potter and it is a Weasley. So like these are people that have been on his radar for probably their whole lives uh but still it it is cool that he cares i guess Mm -hmm. where it's like not only does he know but he cares and he's trying to use it um to explain kind of how this powerful thing can't really be trusted and they're going so far as to move it which is i mean he really doesn't trust harry not to go back there and he's probably right harry probably would have gone back there i believe it
0: oh yeah he would have been back there the next night um I also I wonder though if if it moved because of Harry or if it just I mean for it to just be stashed in a random classroom like any student could stumble upon that like it must have been like moving over Christmas break and they thought we're safe because kids aren't going to be wandering around classrooms right now they're going to be outside they're going to be in common rooms they're going to be playing wizard chess and having snowball fights we'll be fine And then, proven wrong, nope. (laughs) Not safe. Got That's exactly
1: it. it. And, you know, it's probably covered, but maybe even some professor had come and uncovered it to look at themselves. You know, it's it's the sort of thing where the way Dumbledore describes it, and the way that we even see with Harry, this is something that can drive you crazy. This is something that can make Mm -hmm. you very obsessed very quickly. And it's no surprise that some people would just kind of fall down in front of it, and, and be broken by it. So uh we get a little glimpse into Dumbledore's character here where again he's not he's smiling when he's describing this to Harry even though it's a serious thing even though he knows that you know Harry sees his family and that's a big deal and he doesn't want to take that away from him but he knows it's what's best but Harry like you said no trepidation whatsoever because Harry asks Dumbledore what he sees in the mirror and that that's a bold question and even after Dumbledore answers, um, Harry, Harry kind of like takes it at face value. And then a little bit later, he's like, wait a second. I don't think Dumbledore is being honest. Uh, so who knows that is, that is really, like you said, if it is like meeting your high school principal, I probably wouldn't ask my high school principal, like, Hey, who are the last five people you texted or anything like that? Like, Nope, that is very personal. That is their information. And like, I wouldn't probably or like
0: or more I mean more so. He's asking what's your deepest desire? Yeah. Like,
1: so way more so than just like phone messages. Yeah, deepest desire.
0: And and it's just I mean so do do you think I mean you have such a limited understanding of Dumbledore at this point because we really I mean you have almost as much of an understanding of him as Harry does. Yeah. Uh do you think, I mean, he's got kind of a playful nature. Maybe his deepest desire is woolen socks. Yeah, exactly. What do you think?
1: And, it, and that line kind of stuck with me where he said that he wanted socks. And I, I think it stuck with both of, both of us. We both kind of noted that um, this little thing is, is noteworthy. Dumbledore saying that he wants socks because you can never have enough socks. But for me, I like that because my dad, no lie, says the same thing about socks where it's like if you get him a pair of wool socks he'll be tickled pink for christmas that and um <laughs> clamps for the wood shop like you know to hold pieces of wood together when you're gluing it if you get him clamps and socks he will be he will have the best christmas he'll be super happy but you get him like extra stuff on top of it and he's like yeah great but where are the socks though But so.
0: socks oh i i love the like um, another Christmas gone, and I didn't get a single pair. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, it's like, really sad. You think that that's a pretty easy thing? Like, it, it, maybe he's told everyone, and just no one's taking it seriously. <laughs> like, or everybody thinks that everybody dumbledore. else
1: is getting them socks. Yeah.
0: Like, you're. Well, he always says, like, you can never have enough. <laughs> so yeah. when you tell someone, "I want socks," you can never have enough. Like, doesn't matter if every single person's getting them socks. <laughs> like get him socks
1: yeah yeah get the guy socks please oh (laughs) and Dumbledore also tips a little bit of his cards here even though I don't really believe his answer really um we do see little glimpses into Dumbledore's character where he says you don't need a cloak to become invisible which is saying like I know you have the invisibility cloak and you should know that I'm powerful and that you can't just sneak around thinking that I don't know what's happening and that was a that's kind of a power play by Dumbledore saying that, where he's like, you don't need a quote like a cloak to be invisible. Like look at you, a bunch of rookies thinking it's cool to be invisible because you have a fancy piece of technology. He's like, I've been doing that without like he's like, that's nothing, you know?
0: Do you think um Do you think it's true, this this sort of hint that he gives Harry that, like, oh, he really can be invisible? Or is that like a parenting disciplinary trick of like i see all kind of a thing that parents sometimes do well and he and... did say
1: like you don't it's easy to be invisible when somebody's not looking for you so maybe he's not being literally invisible but
0: i mean he's he's gotta know that harry has the cloak because harry wasn't looking around in the room
1: mm-hmm. he
0: like went right up to the mirror took the cloak off it's got to be like sitting there piled on the floor
1: yeah, yeah. like
0: i i always assumed that like whether Dumbledore knew or not about the cloak in that moment, he saw Harry take a cloak off and become visible. Oh yeah. No, he definitely. (laughs) Yeah.
1: He knew right then and there that Harry had an invisibility cloak, but
0: like also like bold move that he doesn't confiscate it. Like, like Harry should be wondering why my, my headmaster saw me take an invisibility cloak off that's pretty powerful and a pretty powerful tool for like breaking all the rules,
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and well, instead,
0: Dumbledore does plays the mind game of like like I can be invisible too, and like you you need to be smarter, basically, and so, like I think he does sort of uh do what needs to be done to communicate to Harry, like you can't break the rules like this, but also. Like, he could have taken the Invisibility Cloak. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: he could have. But I think and, that ties into so the you, idea that... you get
0: it back at the end of term.
1: Yeah, I think that ties into my idea that I think it may have been Dumbledore that gave it to him. Again, who knows? I guess we'll find out. But it would make sense that Dumbledore gave it to him because I think he wants to give Harry a chance to learn these things and to... I think he wants Harry to have an upper hand, even though... He's been trying to keep a level playing field for a while. I think he does kind of want Harry to start poking around. But who knows? Who knows? Um, so what do you think Dumbledore actually saw in the mirror? I guess we'll get to predictions. Does that work?
0: Sure. That's fine. Okay. That's, that's what I. Um, that was one of my prediction questions. Um, I have theories, but they'll spoil lots of things okay okay um i don't think he saw bull socks though i i think i think there's something much more personal maybe maybe family or um yeah i don't know i don't i I don't Hmm. think he saw socks okay i think that 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 was a playful way to just sort of silence harry and deal with the situation without shutting him down
1: Maybe it's just a Professor McGonagall in a in a wedding dress. Who knows?
0: Oh, oh my gosh!
1: If <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't pair up with Hagrid, anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> More predictions. Um,
0: what 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 do you think he saw? Oh, do you have any guesses?
1: What did uh, you know? This I know so so little about this character. Um, I would say I would agree. Not the wool socks. Um, but I don't know, maybe a big happy family of everyone getting along where they don't have to keep big secrets behind corridors and stuff. I don't know. Something very happy and Dumbledore-ish for sure. A little bit, a little bit of whimsy maybe.
0: Mm, Maybe he saw lemon drops. (laughs) (laughs) Just fields and fields of lemon drops. In the world.
1: (laughs) I could see it. He is a sucker for some pucker.
0: <laughs> that hurts.
1: <laughs> ah, good stuff. So Aww. this uh Nicholas Flamel guy.
0: Yeah. Uh, Who do you think he is?
1: Hmm. If he's friends with Dumbledore, okay, so Hagrid made it sound like he is alive because the business is between Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel. It's it's not it's not like the business was between them, or that it was Nicholas Flamel's dying wish or whatever. It's like no. It seems like it's between those two, Um, which kind of makes it seem like he could be a
0: ghost. He could be a ghost. Yeah, could be. Death death does not entirely separate people in this world. That's true, as we've seen with ghosts.
1: He's totally not a ghost though. Um, he. (laughs) I really don't know the clues there or he
0: could be a portrait
1: he could be a portrait he could be a portrait but for some reason he's somebody that dumbledore is looking after the goods for him like i think the philosopher's stone or whatever it is uh that's beneath fluffy which again hopefully not the philosopher's stone but uh, it's kind of looking like that uh But if it is the Philosopher's Stone, I don't think it's Dumbledore's Philosopher's Stone to have. I think it's probably Nicholas's, and Dumbledore is just holding on to it, because like, if they had a hunch that Gringotts was being broken into, then they would know that they needed to get it out of Gringotts, but where's the next safest place to Gringotts? Oh, I guess um, temporarily over at Hogwarts, which makes me think that, nope, the Philosopher's Stone does not live at Hogwarts, it is being held on to by Hogwarts for Nicholas, but that does not tell me at all who nicholas is so who is this guy i don't know someone that has some pretty powerful stuff but he doesn't have the means to hold on to it and fortunately he's good friends with dumbledore so i don't know
0: and you still do you you still not really i forget what you guessed the philosopher's stone was
1: Okay, here's my prevailing theory so far with the Philosopher's Stone. It is the Manhattan Project of the Wizarding World where a bunch yeah. of wizards got together as they saw um, Voldemort rising to power. They're like, we need to do something to stop this, but none of us can stop him individually. So we need to devise a way to make a super, super powerful weapon that could destroy huge groups of people if it was you know, deployed incorrectly. Well, I guess that's the point, is that it destroys things. But they need to create something super, super powerful that can destroy Voldemort, but they need to keep it super top secret. And because if Voldemort were to get it, then like, great. Now his power is just, you know, tripled. So he can't get it. But where do we keep it? What do we do with it? And then it was in Green because they made it, but they had no use for it because Voldemort got defeated. So then they're like, well, I guess we have this giant nuclear bomb of magic and we have no idea what to do with it. So we're just going to move it around. So that's my theory there.
0: I like that the Manhattan Project of wizards.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it could have been going on around the same time too. Well, no, probably not. But yeah, that's my idea of what it is. Is it's a power storing orb of sorts?
0: Mm, hmm. Good theory. I like it. Thank you. I thank like
1: you. It. So, uh, um, any other any other predictions you want to get
0: out of me? Um, I think that was all of them. I I thought I'd try um. To be as bold as Harry, you can say <laughs> no. Um what what do you think you would see in the mirror of said,
1: Dude, honestly, I don't even know. I don't I don't have a five year plan for my life. I don't have a ten year plan for my life. <laughs> I don't know. I like that the the direction my life is going in right now, I like it. So whatever that is made even better where it's like even better, closer friends, uh, even nicer house that I like living in. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But the thing is, I don't think I could know. I think that if I were to look in the mirror and see something like, maybe it would be, I don't know. Maybe it would be fortune and fame, and turns out that's what I've wanted this whole time. Or it could be like a wife and kids, and it turns out that's what I have wanted this whole time. Um, if that's the case, that's kind of that's news to me. But um, who knows? Who knows? How about you? What do you think you'd see, Alyssa?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I've, I, you and I are so similar. Where like I'm not. I, I graduated college, and then all of my like long term plans went away. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so. yep. Um, and I've just been trying to to go with whatever what whatever is best in that moment for me yep. um, but i i I think maybe it would uh, I mean it doesn't really show you like your favorite place sort of a thing, but one of my whenever whenever I uh talk about or think about the camp that I worked at um it it sort of brings me home. And so that that's pretty high up there with, um, uh, I think, desires of of that that serene place of home surrounded by mountains and daisies. So Aww. it's 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 not um, it's not ambitious necessarily. And I have so many ambitions that I'm not sure that that's what it would be. But I think that that would be a pretty fierce contender.
1: Hmm. Cool. I like that. Thanks for sharing.
0: Yeah. Yeah
1: so uh
0: i came up with it on the spot so who who knows how true it is
1: (laughs) none of this is written down guys this is this is off the top (laughs) so uh what were your favorite quotes this chapter
0: um i'm going to we we both uh marked the same page for one so i'm curious if we marked the same one so um i'm gonna go with the other one though okay Ah, and it's um harry enters the library for the restricted section and and there's this great um just environmental feeling that it gives it's the hairs on the back of harry's neck prickled maybe Mm. he was imagining it maybe not but he thought a faint whispering was coming from the books as though they knew someone was there who shouldn't be and I just mm. love that. I I love that notion of these living books and the same sort of, like, the screaming book that screams when you open it. Like, maybe it is just a screaming book. Like, these really uh, almost sentient books, they're so dangerous that they have lives of their own and they know that you're there and they know that you shouldn't be. And it's just, and maybe that's just a kid exploring a place that he shouldn't be in.
1: But maybe not. And so
0: everything's heightened, but maybe not. Maybe it's a combination of the two. Either way, I love that line.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's good, especially because it ties into the idea of, like, okay, the portraits have their own lives. The playing cards have their own lives. So, like, why wouldn't a book? And if a book about dark arts and these super potent spells, if that had a life, what would that life be, you know? So yeah. that is cool to Ooh, think about. And I think that creeps. that was described really well. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, what about you? <laughs> Mine was just the moment um, where <laughs> Hagrid's drinking a bunch of wine. It starts on 203, and most of it's on 204. Um, where it says, Harry watched Hagrid getting redder and redder in the face as he called for more wine, finally kissing Professor McGonagall on the cheek, who, to Harry's amazement, giggled and blushed, her top hat lopsided. Like, oh,
0: what? (laughs) There's the most unlikely ship, and I think it's hilarious.
1: (laughs) Would Would you ship it, though?
0: Oh, uh, they would crash and burn so fast. Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I can't ship it because I think it'd work, but it's a cute moment. Like, very cute moment. It is. And especially, like, I'm sure, obviously, any other situation, if Hagrid were to kiss her on the cheek, she would be really upset. And it would be, no, 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 no. But, like, it just caught it at just the right moment where everybody's just happy and tipsy and full off of good food. And it's just so good-natured, you know? And I guess that's what I liked, is it wrapped up the good feeling of this chapter so concisely in that one paragraph, where it's like, everybody's having fun, period.
0: Like, even an unlikely pair, and even, like, two sort of different brands of misfits, I think. Yeah, McGonagall's... She's not very approachable, and Hagrid is not very approachable either and the two of them can can just have a good time yeah i love it i love it so much
1: (laughs) yeah and it was hard though there were some good things in this chapter so for for page 214 the last chapter was it dumbledore talking about socks that you really liked
0: it wasn't uh, although i do love that line was that yours
1: yeah yeah i just thought it was cute because like i said reminded me of my dad and stuff but what was it then
0: um, I I love when when Dumbledore's um, he's warning Harry not to get lost in it. He says, "If you ever do run run across the mirror again, you will now be prepared. It does not do well, or excuse me, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Remember that." Hmm. And <laughs>
1: that's good wisdom right there.
0: Yeah, and yeah. I was like, as. It's sort of interesting where, um, like, you know, obviously, we, we've sort of packed a whole lot of meaning into the word dream in our culture, where, like, go after your dreams. And so, okay, yeah, if, if going after your dreams is possible, then go for it. But in Harry's case, your dreams of seeing your family are dreams, and you you, you can only do so much to go after that. And if it's you sitting in front of a mirror and disengaging from life that's that's not a way to live and it's just it's a lot of wisdom that's really applicable to Harry in that moment but also really applicable across the board and it it's it was a very succinct lovely line
1: yeah I really like that I kind of glad I kind of just kind of glazed over that the first time but that's really good wisdom especially in mm-hmm. that exact moment so uh yeah. fellow listeners fellow fellow readers uh, we'd love to hear your favorite quotes. Uh, can you let us know where people can tell us that stuff?
0: Yeah. So um, if if you uh, feel so inclined to let us know what you think of these chapters, what you think of the books, what you think of the podcast, what you think your favorite quotes are, uh, you can tweet at wordstruckpod or just directly at me, at Alyssa Small or at Clark, um, at Clark Hodges. Yep, that's me. <laughs> and and you could also email us at wordstruckpod, word, wordstruckpod at gmail dot com.
1: Yeah. Um. And we are part of so. uh, Secret Weapon Productions, so you can find our show notes, which usually I throw you know some links around, some things that we talk about, maybe a little bit of background information about what we're talking about. You can find that at secretweaponproductions dot com slash wordstruck, and then this is episode oh boy, let me scroll up six. So uh, productions dot com slash wordstruck slash six. You can find some notes there. You can also comment there. You can find links to our social media stuff if you forgot it. Uh we would love 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 to hear from you. And you guys have been rating us on iTunes. We love that. Keep going. Uh we want to get in front of as many ears as possible. And you can help us with that.
0: And if you have any critique for us too or if mm-hmm, there is anything mm-hmm. that we're doing that you're like, "Oh man, we love that." We'd like part of this we'd like we'd like it to be a conversation and we'd like to be able to grow and do this better so absolutely we're we're flexible and we're we're talking all the time about how we could be better at it so that should be more than a conversation of just the two of us so if you have any opinions or thoughts or comments please let us know
1: absolutely well Alyssa, it has been so fun talking about these chapters with you um i'm really excited to talk about the next chapters <sighs> Even though I don't have their names pulled up right now, I'm really excited. I promise. Uh, well, we're gonna talk. We're gonna learn a lot about Nicholas Flamel, apparently, and um, Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback. So a little something to look forward to.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited for these chapters. So.
1: <laughs> well, uh, it'll be great. So thank you yeah. so much, Alyssa. Uh, I'll catch yeah. you later.
0: All right, thanks Clark. Talk to you later. Yep. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Haha. <laughs>
1: uh, are you still recording? Why are you still